on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bourbon Street Lounge inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show. Presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming. Experience life rewarded with Boyd Rewards. Proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. Welcome once again, the Runner Rebel Coaches Show from the Bourbon Street Lounge here inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. I'm John Sandler. It's great to be with you. It's our last show of the season. Hard to believe that uh, we've gotten through it and uh, we're, we've come to the end, but indeed we have. The Runner Rebels coming off that last second exciting victory over Air Force at the Thomas and Mac. One home game, one roadie left. Uh, tomorrow night, Utah State comes to the Thomas and Mac for an 8 o'clock game. And uh, Curtis and I have all the action for you starting at 7.30 with Runner Rebel warm-up over on ESPN Radio 1100. And uh, then uh, the Rebels hit the road for the final game of the year. The conference deciding to have some fun and sending the Rebels to Reno for the final game of the year on Saturday afternoon and giving Reno a full week to prepare. But, you know, that's the way this season has kind of gone for the Runner Rebels at times. Uh, we'll talk about the Air Force game a bit. Uh, unfortunately, head coach Kevin Kruger got uh, called away on a recruiting trip at the last minute. Uh, but uh, ably filling in, we got Will Saxon, uh, Runner Rebels uh, assistant coach. Uh, we'll probably also have Jamal Williams here in a bit. Uh, and they'll give us their perspective. We're going to talk a little bit more high level, obviously talk about the Air Force game, talk about uh, the, the two games coming up with Utah State and with Reno, and the Mount West Conference Tournament, which starts at the Thomas and Mac next week. Uh, unfortunately for the Rebels, it starts on Wednesday because the Rebels will be having to play uh, that extra game, which makes the challenge even a little bit tougher, but these guys have shown an ability to step up to that challenge. Uh, and uh, talk about, uh, in general, the, the state, the future of the program, uh, where these guys uh, see this going, and, uh, and uh, kind of look back on what's been a, a roller coaster ride of a season and, uh, and uh, know that uh, this is uh, certainly not uh, the way everything had been intended to go, especially during conference play, but uh, that the foundation is being built for what we feel will be uh, a very nice future for this Runner Rebel program. Let's bring in Will Saxon, uh, assistant coach for the Runner Rebels. Will, appreciate uh, your time coming over. Uh, you and I were just talking. I guess we both got fooled on the last bucket against Air Force. We both thought Shane Noel knocked the ball in uh, when it was E.J. Harkless. But that was an exciting finish and a great fight by the Runner Rebels. Definitely. Thanks for having me, John. Yes, wild last play. It was actually kind of hard to keep up with. I was just telling John, we went back to the locker room after the game, and I was tricked, too. I thought Shane had tipped the ball in. Um, EJ kind of flew out of nowhere and actually probably went over the back on Shane to tip that one in. So a uh, wild finish. Unbelievable play by Jackie. Unbelievable play by Shane. I think in, in live time, um, you probably don't even notice that Shane tips the inbound. No, we got so that. So then that Jackie gets the ball, and then he makes a great extra to Keyshawn. Keyshawn makes a strong drive. Shane's right there. EJ climbs the back of Shane, lays it in just as we drew it up. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm sure. That's the way Kevin and the staff drew it up. But, no, it was a tremendous play. And you know what? Given all the things that have happened this year to the Runner Rebels late in ball games, including the soccer pass from midcourt that went in, I think they were due. Absolutely. And it's great for our guys. I mean, it's something we practice. We have a little situations is what we call it at the end of practice um, pretty routinely. Um, and for that to come away successfully in a game builds confidence heading into a big week and into an even bigger week the next week in the conference tournament. This uh, 
this end of the season is a chance for this runner rebel team to to kind of put a little cherry on what's been, as I said, an, an up and down campaign. Obviously, the tremendous start during non conference play. Uh, conference play has been dominated, unfortunately, not by a series of injuries, but by a couple of injuries that have made a huge difference. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But going forward, you've got a Utah State team that shoots it as well as anybody coming to the Thomas and Mac tomorrow, and the Rebels know exactly what's in front of them. Then you've got Reno, and these are two teams. The, the conference is kind of split in half, which is a bit unusual. You've got four teams at the top who have clearly been the cream of the crop in the, tom- in the conference with San Diego State, Utah State, Boise State, and uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, San, Diego State, Boise State. San Diego State, Boise State, Utah State, Nevada. and in Reno, of course. Yeah, Reno. I'm okay. It's okay to forget them. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but the Rebels are playing two teams in that top half of the conference, and then everybody else has kind of beaten up on one another. Meanwhile, you know, every once in a while, one of those teams steps up and, and gets a surprising win, as Wyoming did last night. Yeah. Uh, as they beat Reno and put a little crimp into the Wolfpack's plans for their postseason. So it's a, there's a, still a lot of stuff. The only thing is certain for the conference tournament right now is that San Diego State's the one seed. Pretty much everything else is up in the air. Rebels know they're going to play on Wednesday. Right now, if the season ended, I think the opponent would be Air Force in the That's 7-10 game. Yep. But, uh, but a lot to be decided still. A lot to be decided and kind of... Everything you just went through, John, has been kind of the story of the Mountain West Conference this year. Really, really strong conference. Actually, read something the other day. The Mountain West and the Big 12 are the only two conferences in America that don't have a bottom 150 team. So, I mean, one, that meaning that there's nobody ranked below 200. Big 12 and Mountain West. So, Wyoming beating Reno last night, as surprising as that might be on paper, I mean, we knew Wyoming was talented. We knew Wyoming had been kind of banged up with injuries all year. Um, so if you're in the conference, you know Reno was going into a tough game last night, a very tough game, um, which leads into it being pretty wide open besides San Diego State sitting at the one seed. Everything else is up for grabs. Absolutely, and I, I read another thing that uh, indicated when they, when they assess the, the strength of each conference from top to bottom, the Mountain West actually ranks above the ACC. Correct. I think I've seen it. Um, there's two or three different metrics, and you've seen the Mountain West anywhere from as high as three, I think, and to five. Yeah. Um, so just there's not a bottom to the Mountain West right now. I mean, Wyoming is a solid team that nobody really wants to play right now. No, um, this and is Reno had a really tough game last night against them. Yeah, Wyoming's a team that kind of had addition by subtraction. When they lost those three guys, it certainly brought the team together. Uh, Rebels got uh, a full dose of that in Laramie and came away with a win. Uh, in the first game of that, but that group has really coalesced. And, uh, you know, that it, it's interesting. Those Wednesday games in the Mount West Conference tournament that sometimes get a little bit uh, pushed to the side, uh, if you're a college basketball fan, there is no shame in coming out. You know, obviously you want to come to the Rebel game, but there's no shame to come into those Wednesday games because they are going to be incredibly competitive. I mean, right now with San Jose State, and, yes, listen to this, San Jose State sitting in that fifth spot in the conference. Think about that. Great job by head coach Tim Miles there. But you've got a New Mexico-Wyoming game, a runner-rebel Air Force game. Uh, those, those, are some, those are some exciting basketball games that are going to be at the Thomas and Mac on Wednesday. Yeah, gr- great games. I mean, and like you said earlier, everyone means something. Somebody's going to move up. Somebody's going to move down. Um, you're going to be watching other games to see where that can help you move up or move down. Um, so huge games. The Wednesday games are huge. I think there's 
three games tonight. Three tonight. Three tonight, which will be great to tune into. Um, yeah, full, great game. Every game means something here down the stretch. The future of the conference. I mean, we talked about this a lot last year when we saw the coaches move into their relative positions. So you had Kevin coming into UNLV. You had Miles going to, uh, to San Jose State. You had Richard Patino going to New Mexico. All of those were upgrades in terms of uh, the general level of the conference, not any judgment or anything about their predecessors, but the overall level of the conference was going to be elevated by those types of hires. And I think we've seen it play out this year, and I think you're just going to continue to see it in the future. Yeah, I mean, every night you know each team has a winning game plan. It truly is going to come down to who ex- executes their game plan to their best. Um, so, er- I mean, there's no advantage, disadvantage. It's truly coach can come up with the game plan. It's going to be a great one on either side, and whoever executes it to the best of their ability is probably going to win the game in most cases, um, which makes the game's tight and interesting almost every night. Yeah, it, it it's remarkable how quickly this conference has improved in – from top to bottom. And I think that's one of the things that maybe people don't understand about what happens in conference play in college basketball because the focus is always on the top teams. It's always on, in this case, San Diego State, or it's always on a UCLA or an Arizona or a Duke or a or Carolina or Kansas, what have you. Those teams, maybe there's one or two that might separate themselves, but the margin between let's say the second-place team in the conferences, which is Boise right now, or the third-place team, Reno or, or Utah State, and a Wyoming or even an Air Force this year, the margins aren't that great. And, I mean, you know, a bounce here, a bounce there, a made shot here, what have you, this conference could look very different. Yeah, you could probably go down the line on every team and pick out two, two uh, times where the ref went to the monitor and changed a call for each team or two missed shots or shot clock violation did his foot step out two or three different occasions for each team that's going to shift them that has shifted them three games up or three games down um that's how thin that margin is. it's not a as you said clear like 20 25 point difference or it's it's a play in a game it's been the difference for two or three games for each team absolutely i mean just think about if uh, if you know if if Stevens Miracle Heave doesn't go in against Colorado State, the Rebels are at eight wins. Who knows how that affects them? A game or two. I mean, it, it's remarkable how thin that margin is, and uh, it was thin on Saturday. And uh, we could talk about. Let's talk about the Air Force game a bit. We knew going in, and and you've been in the conference now for two years, so you you've had a chance to see Air Force a little bit. As coaches, I mean. A lot of coaches hate that week. BP, you know, Barrett Perry, who we had on the show last week, who had the scout, talked about how much he hates that scout and how much he, he despises that week because it's such a challenge to get the guys to understand when they've never seen it before uh, how they can play against Air Force. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think that we kind of did the elementary school raise your hand if you've played against a true Princeton-style offense, and we had three, maybe four guys raise their hands. And the other – Nine, ten guys had no idea what was coming. I mean, you have to throw away half of your defensive principles just to guard them for that one game. Um, and they've been really good this year. Um, I think the difference between them last year and this year was this year they took it to a different level because they had a five-man that could shoot it, um, which just completely makes that a harder offense to guard is when the five-man can shoot it because then you can't just completely stay under um, and protect from the back cuts. 
because you have to be up guarding the five. Um, so it, like you said, John, like Coach Peary said, it is a completely throw away the what you've been doing and learn a new way in 20, 48 hours. I I will say that is one of that was one of the better jobs I've seen a Rebel team in in all the years I've been doing game of of taking on Air Force defending them the in the first meeting between the two. Yep. There was only one backdoor cut that I can think of. Yep, there were sexual. not a lot of just wide open threes uh, where guys got lost on defense. Uh, you made it tough for them. You held them to 53 points, 26 in the first half, 27 in the, in the second. Uh, if the Rebels had a, a, even a reasonable night shooting threes, that probably would have been a, 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 a much more comfortable uh, margin of victory. The Rebels went three for 20. Air Force probably had something to do with that. But, but nonetheless, I thought it was a tremendous defensive effort. Yeah, credit to Air Force in guarding us. They were plugging gaps. They made it really hard for us to find gaps, kick, and get clean looks from three. And then our end, credit to our guys. Like I said, 48, 72-hour prep that's completely different. And they went out there and held a team that's averaging 68 points per game to 53. Um, if you want to get nerdy and talk about the analytics, we held them to .8 points per possession, which means they're not even getting a point per possession out there. Our guys were tremendous. The back cut happened with, I think, about a minute 20 yep. left on the clock. Um, and it probably and it in a weird situation um, where we just kind of lost track of our man for a minute, got backdoored, laid it in, and still responded. Um, but to give up one backdoor against Air Force, you'd probably sign the dotted line on that every single time going into that game. Absolutely right. And uh, you know, we, we've talked about the emergence of Shane Noel uh, and all he's been to this team, and we've kind of talked about it at length. But again, his physicality, his presence on the floor against Air Force was critical to the Rebel victory. His physicality completely changes the game from a rebounding standpoint, from a, def- a defensive standpoint, um, even offensively getting into the paint and making stronger plays, whether it's at the rim or drawing two defenders and being able to kick it out. Um, we joke with Shane all the time. He has one of the strongest arms I've ever seen. He should be playing baseball, too. He can absolutely rip a ball. So he can get in the paint, make a play. Um, and then his attention to detail has been so great. Um, his, his role on team has slowly, slowly grown, and now it's kind of completely taken off. But his attention to detail is probably the thing that's grown the most in line with that, too. Um, scouting report, offense, defense, he has been so great at having a healthy, um, nervous mentality going out there every time to do what's right for the team. I was really impressed with Jackie, too. Now, Jackie's had a rough year. He wasn't playing very much. And even when he came in the last couple of games and was playing, there was some hesitation. There was some, you know, Jackie comes in and with a well-deserved reputation as a scorer, but that's a double-edged sword. There are moments when Jackie, you know, takes shots that aren't within the context of the offense uh, that, 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 that probably, you know, cost him some playing time. Even though Jackie had a very difficult game against Air Force offensively, didn't look comfortable one of five from three, one of six overall. He still kept his head in the game. He played solid defense against something he'd never seen before and obviously made the game winning, uh, the beginning of that game winning play. Exactly. Jack, credit to Jackie. Jackie has the same mentality throughout the whole season. He's probably no one's in the gym as much as Jackie shooting those shots. Uh, so he's confident when he shoots it. Obviously, has been going through a little up and down playing time um, and made up for it with his play at the end. Um, tremendous play to be alert enough to get that ball and not only not panic, but he kicked it to Keyshawn, and Keyshawn was able to put one up on the rim to give us a chance to tip it back in. So, yes, Jackie was tremendous. 
how can you describe what is inside EJ Harkless's chest <laughs> aptly? I mean, there the guy is a warrior, and and that that might be a trite term and a, a slightly overused, but there is no other way to describe you know that that this is a guy who just doesn't quit. He he loves those moments, and he practices for those moments when you think that there's no chance for him to succeed or no chance for the team to succeed. Um, he wants those moments and he relishes them. Um, and then when he gets in those moments, he's got a pretty good knack for making the play. He really does. And, and you know, uh, I was talking with some of the officials before the game, and uh, one of them was talking about how he felt uh, EJ is one of the best players in the conference. And we started talking about his style of play. And it's not what you'd call the sort of modern style of play. It's not the flashy it's not the the, the, the get-to-the-rim, the high-flying stuff. It really is kind of an old man's game. And we saw it against Air Force where he got in the lane at one point, slowed down, allowed the contact to come from behind, drew the foul, and then has enough strength and balance to convert the basket and get a three-point play. Yeah, he has a great ability to not do it the same way every night. Um, he can do it different ways, and his biggest moments aren't the same each time, whether it's a tip-in, it's a huge mid-range jumper against – New Mexico earlier in the season. Um, I was at Oklahoma when he was there. He hit an unbelievable jumper um, against Alabama. I mean, his knack for making the big play, and that big play is not the same thing every time. It might be a steal late in the game. It might be a tip-in. It might be a big jumper. Um, but it's, it is truly unbelievable. Keyshawn Hall, who, who you know, you're hoping has another uh, uh, level of performance like he did when the Rebels played Utah State up in Logan uh, tomorrow night because he, he – uh, that was his coming out party. Air Force was a little much for him in terms of defense. Uh, you know, it's his first year. This is a kid who probably wasn't asked to play a lot of defense in high school and uh, who's get, doing his best. But uh, that's something that certainly Keyshawn, uh, you know how skilled he is offensively. He's going to keep getting better, learning how to use his body, learning how to play under control. But defense is something he's going to have to work on. Definitely. And Keyshawn's working on it every day. He, he's getting tremendously better. He's more confident in talking, which talking is so important defensively because he knows where he's supposed to be. He knows his teammates have his back, which means he can be a little bit more aggressive. It's probably always better to be aggressive defensively than it is tentative. Um, and now knowing that his teammates have his back and knowing team defense, he's able to be a little bit more aggressive and be in the right spots and be confident about being in the right spots. It, um, and then offensively, he's going to continue to keep growing. Um, Air Force not only runs a funky offense or non-traditional offense, but they run a little bit of a matchup man zone. Um, I don't even know how to really describe it. Um, so it can be different um, when you're first time playing it on an offense spin too. So, so given that, and we've gotten to some of the individual performances, if the season ended right now, the Rebels would play Air Force again in the Mountain West Conference Tournament first round. Having played them once, do you think the guys would have a, I mean, obviously they have a better sense. Do you think they'd have a little bit of confidence in the fact that they've seen it and they understand it? Because Air Force isn't going to change. It's no. not like all of a sudden they're going to come out and run something different. Right. I think the biggest thing is that they know I mean, that prep week, I mean, they probably thought we were a little crazy and how, how hard we were. That's probably not the right word, how hard we were on them, but just how hard we were trying to prepare them. How diligent and they'll know what that at. prep week needs to look like, um, which if you haven't played Air Force, you don't know what that prep week should look like because it looks so different than other opponents. No, um, no. So, yes, confidence in knowing what that two to three days leading up to that game should look like. No doubt about it, and so we'll see. I mean, it's uh, right now, as I said, if the Rebels' season, if the season ended today, the Rebels would play Air Force 
Uh, each team, uh, I think Air Force has only one game left. Uh, Rebels, Rebels, obviously, with the two. Uh, not going to be easy. Tomorrow night, senior night at the Thomas and Mac, 8 o'clock. Uh, we'll talk about that as well, the seniors who will be honored. Uh, senior has become a, a bit of a, uh, a foggy term in these days of COVID and transfer and, and all of that stuff. But uh, we know at least four running Rebels who, uh, who are going to walk tomorrow night who are going to be honored who, whose careers are coming to an end. And uh, we'll talk about them when we come back. want to remind you that the Orleans Casino and Boyd, thank you for tuning in and joining us tonight here at the Bourbon Street Lounge. Boyd is grateful to have the opportunity to support UNLV Sports by hosting the Coaches Show. Uh, if you're not already a part of Boyd Rewards, they invite you to experience life rewarded and join the loyalty program that links you to nine destinations in Las Vegas as well as destinations around the country. More of the Runner Rebel Coaches Show when we come back. You're listening to it from the Bourbon Street Lounge here at the Orleans Hotel and Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Harkless drives. Harkless with the left hand, lays it up and in, and another foul. This one on Petritus, who fouls out of the game. And now Harkless can make it a one-point game. Back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. John Sandler, Assistant Coach Will Saxon with you tonight from the Bourbon Street Lounge here in the inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino talking Runner Rebel basketball, the highlight uh, part of E.J. Harkless. Uh, I won't say single-handedly, but certainly leading the way as the Rebels came from behind to defeat Air Force at the Thomas and Mac and now getting ready for Utah State. Tomorrow night, it's senior night at the Thomas and Mac. Uh, come on out and honor the four guys who are finishing up their collegiate basketball careers. Uh, E.J. Harkless, uh, Elijah Parquet, who unfortunately looks as if he's uh, likely played his last college basketball game. We're not 100% certain of that, but uh, we'll see. Um, Jordan McCabe, who's been so important to the Rebels, and we'll get Will to talk about Jordan here in a second. And uh, Cam Burrist, uh, a walk-on from Las Vegas, Liberty High School, and a guy who is uh, who has been very valuable to the runner Rebels uh, uh, in terms of all the effort he puts in at practice every day. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a little while. We'll get Coach Jamal Williams on with us, uh, talk about those guys uh, in a bit. But right now, visiting with Will Saxon. Uh, Will, before we let you go let's get your view of this program uh, you know where it was where it is now uh, and give the sense fan we'll ask Jamal the same question kind of a sense of of where it's going uh, things have been so turbulent uh, in, in in the world of college athletics with all the changes with NIL and with the transfer portal uh, with the the looming realignment whatever that's going to look like over the next few years and we truly have no idea but uh, let, let's try to pin down the Runner Rebel program and, and, and get a sense of, of your thoughts of, of, of where it's going. Um, I think that it's in an unbelievable spot. I think over the last two years we've been really, really lucky to have players, coaches, guys that want to be Running Rebels. And, and that's going to continue, still continue to build what is a good culture, make it great. Every day we have guys that want to be in the gym, in the offices, um, and love competing and love being running Rebels. And that's going to continue to take off. Um, so day in and day out, that's not going to change. It's just going to keep progressing. In terms of the, the, the mindset and the philosophy of how to build this program in today's world of college athletics, it has changed dramatically over the last couple of years. Um, you know, when, when Coach Kruger took over, uh, it was clear that in order to – uh, get things going and get things jump started. 
the Rebels had to be a big participant in the transfer portal. They were in year one. Uh, it worked out very, very well. There were, you know, obviously Donovan Williams now in the NBA. Royce Ham Jr. Uh, came in, other guys, and, and made great contributions. It's worked in year two, but for some injuries uh, that have, have derailed plans. Um, a stat I'll cite for you, uh, Runner Rebels during the conference season uh, in the, what, 16 games they've played thus far, 17 games they've played thus far, have had three games where they've had to full roster. Where they have not had, uh, and, and the injuries have not been to, to to guys who don't have big roles. I mean, you're talking about missing two starters uh, much of the season, uh, and and it does have an impact. But but that transfer portal has been a success. EJ Harkless, you know, Elijah Parquet, Luis Rodriguez, uh, depending on what his future is going to be, um, will it continue to play as big a role? Do you see any change? I mean, the Rebels have signed. Uh, a couple of recruits already, a freshman and a JUCO kid uh, for next year. But do you see the the transfer portal still being the primary means of, of, of filling the roster every year, or do you think that's going to change over time? I think that the transfer portal is always going to have um, a significant role. It's always going to play a part. It's the new world college basketball. Um, I think we'd be uh, it'd be we need to mention the nucleus that stayed. Right. I mean, how such a big part. I think you can get focused on the transfers, what's coming in, what's coming out, what's what's moving and shaking. Great point. But like Jordan McCabe, unbelievable part of this nucleus. Keyshawn Gilbert, David Mwaka, Victor Awakor, um I'm, am I forgetting anybody else? Who's Justin been Webster. Here, Justin Webster, who's been here for two years. And those guys are just as important as anyone else. Um, well, maybe more yeah. so because they've been here Correct. and they're part of really establishing, quote-unquote, that culture. And Coach talks about those guys knowing what it is takes day in and day out what it looks like to be a running rebel day in and day out and they're able to help those guys that have come in and we've got great chemistry and those guys have been a huge part of that and and will continue to do so 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 what i'm hearing is uh, and, and and forgive me for not mentioning yeah. those guys um but but that foundation has to come from guys who are going to be with the program multiple years and then you fill in with the, the transfers Right, I think that nucleus of uh, want building guys that are running rebels and keeping them around and them progressing, them getting better is always going to be a huge part of it. And then, just like every other team, you're going to have roster spots that open that you fill with whether it's a transfer, a JUCO, or a high school kid. Has the has the transfer portal in and and I know you're not involved in the day to day recruiting, but you're very close to the coaching staff. Um, in, in, in their efforts to recruit. Um, has it changed the way high school kids approach uh, and view their opportunities in college? I think we're starting to get out of that. I think high school kids had an unfortunate couple years here where COVID and the portal happening at the exact same time really hurt their development um, and also the ability, their visibility for people to see them. Um, so I think over the last two years, it has hurt high school kids' opportunity, but I think we're going to fight through that over here the next year or so and get it closer back to normal or what it was. Um, so I think, yes, over the last couple of years, maybe as a high school kid, you've had a little, been a little outside the box on how you jumpstart your recruiting or how your recruiting is viewed. Um, but I think it's going to get back to a better place for high school kids. That, that's great to hear. Uh, Last question before we let you go, because we have Coach Williams uh, waiting in our next segment. Um, 
what are some things that you want to see happen for this Runner Rebel program uh, to get it going uh, a little bit more with a little bit more velocity toward where everybody wants it to go? Are, are there some things that you can think of that that you know? Uh, you know, just in terms of obviously, guys got to get healthy. Obviously, you got to get players. But in terms of building that culture, um, are there some things that 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 you can speak to that you know uh, have to happen for this Runner Rebel program to to accelerate in its progress? I, this is going to sound corny. I think the biggest thing is just staying around our guys and them continuing to get better. I, I, we, there's, it's an unbelievable community. The more our guys, a nucleus stays around and become familiar faces of the community and we build that momentum. Um, so time and work ethic, I think, is the biggest thing that's going to keep pushing this in the right direction. I think that's really well said because that was not an easy question. I'm sorry yeah. about that. But, uh, Will, we really appreciate you coming in uh, and, and helping us out tonight. Uh, uh, Utah State and Reno, the final two regular season games. Go get them. Uh, we'll get Coach Williams in here for our final couple of segments, but we appreciate all the time you spent with us this awesome. year. Thanks, John. Will Saxon, our guest. We'll take a break. We'll come back and visit with uh, Assistant Coach Jamal Williams. You're listening to the Runner Rebel Coaches Show on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. To Keyshawn Gilbert, who lets the ball roll up the floor. Now he grabs it, gives it to Harkless. Harkless okay. comes right side. Harkless gives the ball to Noel underneath for the dunk. And the Rebels are down one with nine seconds to go. Back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. All right, back here at the Bourbon Street Lounge inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. John Sandler with you along with assistant coach Jamal Williams. Coach, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, coach Kruger on a, on a late last-minute recruiting trip uh, for on this, uh, this Tuesday evening. Runner Rebels getting ready for Utah State tomorrow night at the Thomas & Mack. 8 o'clock tip. We'll be on the air at 7.30 with Runner Rebel warm-up over on ESPN Radio 1100. Then a 2 o'clock game up in Reno to finish the regular season on Saturday, and then the Rebels play Wednesday, time and opponent TBD, uh, a week from tomorrow in the Mount West Conference Tournament. But, Coach Williams, appreciate you coming in. Obviously, the, the win over Air Force, a, a big win, says a lot about the fact that there's still a ton to play for in this season. Oh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, that game, the way it kind of played out, it, it had opportunities for us to kind of put our heads down because we didn't play that great offensively. We struggled um, at times to, to make shots, but, you know, they sh- show resilience and stay consistent with attacking and trying to make something happen. And in a way, they, we closed the game out, right? Like, they, we made the plays, um, didn't, didn't get nervous, didn't get rattled and start shooting crazy shots. We kept attacking and giving our opposite, ourselves opportunity to try to score. And, you know, we made the right plays and ended up going our way. It, it, it certainly did, and uh, it was great to see. And hopefully it's the beginning of building some momentum toward the end of the year because, as I said, there is still a, a ton for this team to play for and, uh, and opportunities abound. Uh, tomorrow night, always a special night. Senior night, uh, a chance to honor uh, some guys who've made great contributions to the program, whether uh, short-term, long-term, uh, in front of the crowd or, or behind the scenes. We've got a, a little bit of a mix tomorrow night. Uh, let's talk about those guys. Let's start with Cam Burrist, a local kid who's been a part of the program now for a few years and uh, never seems to have a bad day, always there to contribute in any way he can. Absolutely. Cam is a big part of our team. Um, you know, Having a chance to get to know Cam over the course of this year has uh, is, is been a pleasure. Right, He um, comes to work every day. He shows up and he play, does whatever role we ask him to do. Um, one of the leading guys on the scout team, 
when we get out there and start drawing up stuff and of our opponent's um, plays and things like that. Um, and he does a good job of replicating uh, the best player on each team. You know, whether it's a guard or sometimes in the big, he plays any role we ask him to, and then he brings that energy every day, and he practices hard and competes. And then he brings a positive spirit, you know, on the road. Um, the guys love him. The coaching staff love him. It's, it, it's great to have Campbell part of the program. And they're, and they're having him around every single day. And he's a local kid, which makes it even more special. And he got a chance to live out a bit of a dream and uh, wear that runner Rebel jersey and, and play at the Thomas and Mac. Another guy who's finishing up his career, unfortunately, uh, whether he gets to play anymore in a runner Rebel uniform, uh, uh, Elijah Parquet has dealt with injuries since uh, that Washington State game toward the end of the non-conference season, has never been 100% healthy since then. Uh, but uh, this is a, a special athlete and a guy who is a, a, a leading part of the the the, the eleven and one start in non conference. No, absolutely. EP, um, his energy, his uh, effort on defensive end, um, his obviously his elite level of quickness and athletic ability has allowed him to be one of our best defenders on the team, if not the best defender on the team. Um, taking on a task early in the year of guarding every every opponent's best player and competing with them and, and taking them out of the game at times where they really had a hard time scoring. And he's almost like if you consider like in a football sense, like he was like a. Uh, Parquet's Island, right? You didn't want to be stuck over there with him, um, trying to him guarding you and chasing you around the floor. And you know, it's unfortunate he had his injury, but you know, it speaks to EP spirit. You know, he fought and rehabbed and everything he could to try to get back on the floor. And even not being a hundred percent throughout the, the games he played after coming back, he gave his all and competed every single time he was on the floor until it, you know, unfortunately, it kind of hampered him again and you know he's back in the the process of trying to rehab and get back right and hopefully you know he can make another run at it but we'll we'll see yeah it's 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 up in the air but uh he's a guy who's been so much fun to watch and i i will remember forever the 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 contributions he made in terms of just uh, you know leading as as kevin called him especially during the non-conference the annoying rebels uh just hounding guys bringing the ball up the floor and 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 eventually wearing them down to the point where the Rebels, in a number of those non-conference games, you remember, especially early, uh, the Rebels had to wear teams down. The offense wasn't quite there. Uh, the defense led the way, and it was a lot due to EP's efforts that the Rebels were able to come from behind and to win uh, a number of those non-conference games. Uh, a third guy who uh, obviously has been the leading scorer for the runner Rebels this year and has really lived up. I mean, when, when E.J. Harkless was the first transfer to sign, uh, out of the portal for the Runner Rebels uh, in the offseason, even before Coach Williams, I think, took the job. And uh, we heard a lot. And, you know, you, you, you have to filter everything. Everybody's excited. Uh, EJ, I think, has lived up to every bit of the hype that we heard about him, both in terms of, of his mentality, his approach, and his effectiveness to score in a variety of ways. Uh, no telling where the Rebels would, would have been without him. No, he, he's, he's lived up to the billing, right? Um He's walking in and ready to compete every single day, uh, especially in game game opportunities. He's going out there competing and, and let us right. And when we need a bucket, we knew we we're going to EJ. When we needed to try to you know string some stuff together, it was going to go through EJ. Um, and he set the tone offensively for this group. And he came with big buckets consistently out this season. Um, you know, watching him and getting a chance to know him. Obviously, me and him coming from the same area, I knew who he was. Um, and he actually played an AAU team, with my, with my, a team that my brother coached. And so I was very familiar with his game and then have an opportunity to coach him now and just kind of see 
uh, his competitive drive, right? He he wants to compete at everything, and he's always pushing himself to be better. And, then, you know, that carried over in the game, and it helped, you know, give our team a certain attitude, especially early in the year, that we were going to go out and compete and play hard and, and you know, be aggressive and attack the other team. And so hopefully as we get this win and he continues that competitive spirit that we can make a run and make a, a push towards the end of this year. I don't know if I've told the story, but you talk about his competitive drive. We're playing a road game uh, up in Laramie, and uh, the fans are getting on EJ and uh, saying some unpleasant things. And one of the officials comes over to talk to Coach Krueger and says, hey, I don't like this. I'm going to put a stop to it. Uh, is the kid okay? And <laughs> Kevin looked at the officials and said, you don't even need to stop it. He'll be just fine. Of course, EJ went for 20-some in the second half of that game and uh, just, you know, took care of business himself. And that's just classic him. Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, most of my time um, coaching him is is giving him jabs and trying to uh, poke at him to try to get him going. And when I do, he usually wants to try to play really hard to try to make me shut up, which is fine. We're getting, <laughs> we're getting things done around here. So he can be mad at me for however long it takes as long as we're getting wins around here. Well, and a, and a guy who has been so, meant so much to this program in his two years here, both on and off the court, because he's uh, he's he's one of those personalities. He interacts with the fans. Uh, in addition to being last year a starter, this year coming off the bench, but he's been a mentor to Keyshawn Gilbert at the point guard position. Those two are very close. He's come in when Keyshawn. I mean, Keyshawn's had some rough games, especially in conference, uh, in his first year trying to run the team a little bit. And Jordan McCabe has been a guy who's come in and steadied things and, and shown his maturity and his experience. And uh, he's certainly a guy the Rebels will miss in the future. Absolutely, Jordan is um, like you said, very steady. All right, he's he's the the yang to George, uh, to Keyshawn's yang. They they balance each other out, and you well know played. Jordan comes in and he settles us down. He can get get us into plays, get us into sets, um, and then also you know he's made some big shots. He's he's went on some scoring runs in some of these games where he's put some buckets on the board and and you know got us going and held us down with a stretch that we couldn't make a bucket. Um, where he's there, surely going to be missed uh, when he when he graduates and moves on. Um, but, you know, he's a big part of our energy every day. He keeps those guys silent. You know, he is a vocal leader amongst this group. He's not afraid to step up and challenge guys, whether we're in film, whether it's in practice, when we're not doing things with a, with a level of energy and uh, to the expectation of guys. You know, obviously with his background, where he comes from, where he's played, he holds himself and his teammates to a high standard, and he's, a, he's not afraid to challenge guys when we're not in line. Yeah, and, and you know, every, I've been doing this so long, seeing guys come through the program. There are certain guys you're always interested in uh, you know, you want everybody to succeed. And you want everybody to have a great future. But there are certain specific guys who have come through the program year after year where you say, I really want to see what happens to this guy. I want to see what, I want to, see what happens to Jordan McCabe. I don't know if he's going to go into coaching. I know he's talked about that. I don't know if he's going to go into do his media stuff or what have you. But this is, this is a guy, a personality you might want to follow a little bit to see what's going to happen to him in the future. Oh, yeah. He, can, he has a lot of talents that he can, and traits that he can follow into. So we don't know. I think he'll be a great coach. Obviously, he's having success with his podcast, things like that, and he'll be able to take off, and, and he'll be successful wherever he does because Jordan has that push and that drive to try to work at it till he gets it corrected. All right, we're going to take one more break. When we come back, we're going to get Coach Williams to talk about this program from his perspective, uh, a little bit of a different perspective, having joined the program very late in the summer, if you, you know, relatively speaking, and, and getting through his first year with this Run and Rebel program, but with some history in the Mount West Conference. So we'll talk about that. Also, preview the next uh, couple of games and the tournament coming up. You're listening to the Run Rebel Coaches Show from the Bourbon Street Lounge inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield.
Jackie bounces to McCabe, open for three on the left side. It's good. Jordan McCabe knocks it down, and the Rebels have a three-point lead. Back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry, with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. John Sandler and Assistant Coach Jamal Williams with you, finishing things up for the Runner Rebel Coaches Show this year, our final segment. I want to say a big thanks to the folks here at the Orleans Hotel and Casino, Bourbon Street Lounge, and Bailiwick for uh, hosting us this year. Once again, they're always gracious, and all all the people involved in getting the show on and uh, technical support, all of that, uh, really appreciate all that they've done. Uh, Here in our last segment, Coach, two games left, uh, Utah State tomorrow night. Uh, Aggies, one of the best shooting teams uh, you'll find anywhere in the country, uh, defending the three-point line of critical importance for the runner Rebels. Uh, Rebels... uh, uh, gave them quite a battle up in Logan and uh, hoping to be able to improve upon the result tomorrow night at the Thomas and Mac. I think so. I think we figured something out in the second half of that game in Logan. Um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, you talk to these young, these young men and try to get them to understand um, the level of the, the way that Utah State shoots the ball and they don't necessarily believe you, right? You can show them on film and, you know, us as coaches, you look and you go, you know how far that was. He shot that right, like he and he shot that really comfortably. And you're telling these young men that, and they look at you like, uh, yeah, well, he won't do that against me. No, he's done against everybody, right? So you might want to believe that. Um, and so uh, when they finally figured it out after Funk had the first half that he had, and you know Burstow and yep. Sugar and and um, Ashworth, yep. you know, made shots. You sit there and you go, well, okay, well, coach, he really can't do it, and they made the adjustment. And so I think they walk in with a level of respect for Utah State tomorrow, and we take that stuff away early and try to make it really difficult for them to get three-point looks. I think that sounds like a great plan. And then, of course, the game up at Reno on uh, Saturday. Uh, Reno coming off a a loss against Wyoming last night, so you know they'll be fired up. It'll be senior day for them. Uh, The rivalry stuff, always uh, uh, an intense atmosphere up there uh, in those games, and they'll be looking for revenge because the Rebels got them down here. Oh yeah, we, we we expect them to throw the kitchen sink at us. They're they're going to come in ready to compete. Obviously, the energy from from having to be their singer day, um, they're going to be rolling with that. You know, we just have the weather storm and, and be consistent. I think that uh, the, let alone with the rivalry, but the energy that's going to be in a building is going to be a lot. And we got the weather that storm early, and then if we can find a way to, to balance it out, we'll be able to kind of keep it competitive and you know try to close out in the end. And this run rebel team has done a great job on the road this year. They really have. Uh, been competitive in just about every game and obviously won a bunch away from the Thomas and Mac this year. All right. Coach, uh, you came to this program uh, late. You were the last one in the door for the season uh, as a result of of, uh, Coach Chappelle taking that job late, and uh, you got a chance to come and join uh, Kevin Kruger and and this program. What's been in your impression in this first year, and, and what do you think about the future of this program? Um, you know, we have guys that are committed to being the UNLV Runner Rebels. Um, they come out and they compete. They try to get better every day, and they, they listen. And, you know, it's, it's a good foundation of guys that we can build on and continue to try to, you know, build on the early success that we had in the year, but then also try to figure out how do we get enough depth to maintain that success and not wear bodies down because, you know, obviously guys got injured and we wore down. And so as we recruit, we hit this road hard in um, this coming recruiting season. It's like, all right, how do we get bigger? How do we get a little bit stronger? How do we get a little bit faster? And, you know, be able to maintain a level of play consistently throughout the course of the season. Obviously, we didn't have the start to the conference play that we wanted to have. Um, you know, we had a, we had a rough, rough schedule. But um, we started to find our way to find our groove. And, 
you know, the level of competition and the way we've competed against teams um, has been positive, right? I, I still haven't seen a team that I thought uh, – I said, well, we, they kind of just have our number and it's a tougher matchup for us. We, we are in the games. We're able to compete with them. We just got to get enough pieces to be able to get over that hump. And I, I think, you know, from, the, from a, a higher view, I think it's important to remember that, uh, you know, this is a, a brand-new coaching staff. Uh, there are very few head coaches who have to replace their entire staff uh, of assistants uh, each year, and especially as late as, as Coach Cougar did and was lucky to get a guy the quality and a coach the quality of, of Jamal Williams. Um, and, and also the injuries, as I, as I said earlier. This is, a, this is a team that has had its roster intact, and this is ignoring Isaiah Cottrell, who was a big part of the plans of this team coming in. But this is a team, this is a program that's had its starting lineup intact uh, really twice during conference play and has had those three guys who've, who alternated getting hurt between uh, Parquet or among Parquet, Rodriguez, and McCabe. Uh, had them together to play together uh, in two and a half games during conference play this season. I think it tells a lot of the story. Yes, obviously. You know, I, when we had those guys and we were we were such an elite level defensive team, um, having Lou and, and EP and having Keyshawn playing defense the way he can and having EJ being that fourth guard, we made it really hard on teams. And that was that was contributed to our early success. Um, and so, you know, no, not having EP and having that, you know, that lockdown guy and then allowing – the other guards will be able to rotate and take away guys and wear people down. It hurt. It hurt us um, in, in the start of the, the, the conference play and throughout the conference play, but not just not having that core group and then having guys playing in different roles, right? You know, Justin Webster had a lot of success coming off the bench. Then we threw him into a starting lineup, and then it took away some of his offense because and at a certain point he started how to play backup point guard when, yep. when Jordan went down. And so now he's not playing in a position or, or standing in the corner. He's now initiating offense, and it just makes it – really hard for him to kind of get the ball back and or even get to a spot where he's able to play off of EJ and play off of Lou and be able to catch and shoot. Why are you excited about this run and rebel program going forward? I think the future is bright. I think that we are um, building something, you know, as we finish out the course this, this season, I think we'll finish strong and we'll be, have a good level of momentum um, going forward. And, you know, with the, with the guys that we have coming in, uh, we'll have a lot of versatility. We'll have some guys with some size. We'll have some, you know, Keyshawn will be a year older. We'll have some more experience and, and, and put guys with guys that we have on the roster currently. And so just with that experience and that growth, uh, we'll be able to build on that and, you know, take a, take a huge leap going forward in, in the coming seasons. All right. So uh, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I, I am excited about the future of this Runner Rebel program, but I'm excited for the next, you know, however many games there are. The, the, the end of the stretch run and the beginning of the Mount West Conference Tournament coming up, Utah State tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, Thomas Mack. It's senior night, folks. It's a big night for these guys. Come on out. Show your support. Uh, cheer them on in there as they, as they are introduced uh, prior to the game and then obviously play their final home game uh, in their collegiate careers. Rebels on the road on Saturday and then back at the Thomas and Mack Mountain West Conference Tournament next week. But tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, we'll have all the action starting at 7.30. Run a Rebel warm-up uh, over on ESPN Radio 1100. I want to again thank the folks here at, at Boyd and at the Orleans uh, for their support. And thank all of you who come out regularly. It's wonderful to see your faces every week. Uh, we'll uh, keep you informed as the plans uh, come together for next year's show. But uh, really appreciate 
all of you coming out. Danny, great job engineering alongside. Damon, really appreciate your support and your uh, efforts back in our Learfield studios. And now for everybody associated with the show, this is John saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow night at the Thomas and Mac. Have a great evening, everybody. Live from Bourbon Street Lounge inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino, you've been listening to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming. Experience life rewarded with Boyd Rewards. Proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer driven. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Rebel Sports Network.